All right. Notice in verse 6 of Deuteronomy chapter 31, it says, Be strong and have a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, He it is that doth go with thee, He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and have a good courage. For thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, He it is that doth go before thee, He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. So right here what we see in this chapter that we just read is we kind of see Moses passing the torch to Joshua. And right here, I think this Moses and Joshua are probably two of the best examples in the Bible of leadership. Many people today, if you ask them, you know, who is probably the greatest leader ever, many people would say Moses. And I think that you know, that's probably a pretty good idea. I don't know for sure who the greatest would be, but I think you can make a good argument that Joshua is a better leader than Moses. Okay, we often think that the greatest leaders are the one that we see the most stories about in the Bible. But you realize a lot of the stories that we see in the Bible, a lot of the conflicts that they overcame, they overcame them because they did wrong. So while Moses, you know, he did a lot of good things, understand that part of being a good leader is the people who are following you are being good too. And while we do see God seems to give the people credit for being bad and not really Moses so much, I do think something needs to be said for the fact that we don't see as much bad stuff going on during Joshua's time. Because, I mean, isn't that important with leadership that not just the leader be good, but that he's actually leading people, that people are actually following him. And so they weren't perfect during Joshua's time, but we don't see as many bad stories because Israel did good during the days of Joshua. I mean, they followed the Lord during the days of Joshua and even all the elders that outlived Joshua. That says a lot about that man right there. Now, I do think a lot of the credit for Joshua goes to Moses. I'm not trying to take anything away from Moses, but what I am saying is these two guys were great leaders. And what I want to preach about tonight is the importance of strong leadership. I believe Moses and Joshua were great examples. And we're going to look at some good examples. We're going to look at some bad examples of leadership that I think will be a, that hopefully will be a help. Because we live in a world today where strong leadership is frowned on. People don't like strong leadership. Everybody's got this attitude, majority rules on everything. You know, and I need to take this opportunity to say this too, because, you know, John McCain just passed. And you know one of the things that John McCain was known for and respected for was reaching across the aisle. He campaigned on reaching across the aisle, on compromising. He was loved and respected for being a compromiser. I don't know about you, but I got a problem with that, alright? I don't like compromisers. I like strong leaders, people who stand on principle he campaigned on being a compromiser. And you know what? He lost. He lost to Obama. Why? Because you know, nobody wants a compromiser. They want a strong leader. You know, Obama, at least he didn't compromise on his liberalism. You know, the problem with Obama as a president is he actually carried out a lot of things that he promised. It's just those things he promised were bad. But a lot of Americans were too stupid to realize it. John McCain, he was, he, he was not a good leader. Oh, he's a veteran. You can't say anything. I'm sorry. I know he was a veteran. I know he you know, was a prisoner of war and all that stuff. But that didn't give him the right to destroy our country as a senator after that. And he, he was not a great example. And I'm getting sick of all these Fox News Baptists praising him now that he's dead. Shut up. The guy was a, not a good senator. He was a very wicked man. But strong leaders they're people they're they're strong they don't compromise they don't bend they don't buckle and i'm going to show you people in the bible who were big leaders powerful men but they were also wicked it's very clear nobody would argue these men were wicked and we'll see they were they were go with the flow let's give the crowd what they want and that's what people seem to want today we many people today because they're ignorant about american history they think that we're just a democracy but we're a republic they don't know that we're a republic, even though in the Pledge of Allegiance it says, and to the republic for which it stands. A republic is a nation governed by laws, and a good leader, a strong leader, he's going to follow the laws. That's what he's going to teach. But everybody today, no, majority rules. 
If we don't like something, or if we want something in our country that's wicked, instead of looking, well, hey, what do the laws say? What does the Constitution say? What do they say? Hey, let's vote on it. I'm sorry. I don't want to just vote on everything. we got too many stupid people in this country. And we had a, we had a Republican form of government. And I... Republican, I'm sorry, that word's been ruined too. But if you actually look at what that means, we had that type of government so we would protect ourselves. It, you know, it would protect us in case we became stupid. And unfortunately, that's happened and we're losing it. We're losing a lot of those laws, a lot of these things that are coming up. We're losing freedom. And it's bad. We need some strong leadership. But that's not what our country wants today. But let me tell you, it's what we need. It is what we need bad. But one thing we see in the Bible that's very common is great men, great leaders, we're gonna, we see them always standing against the masses. That's what we see in the Bible. We see the evil men, the weak leaders, we see them going with the flow, going with the masses. We're going to look at several examples. But before we do that, just some things that I want to mention about strong leaders. And I'll show you how this is, this is true in the Bible. But first of all, a strong leader isn't interested in being popular or liked. Okay? That's not what a leader is supposed to do. That's not what he is out, should be what he's out to accomplish. And this is why elections ruin people. Alright? So are you against elections? Well, you know, I'm not against elections so much, but the problem is, what happens in these elections is what do they do? They gotta go around campaigning for like a whole year, trying to make everybody like them. And so what do they do? They're going around trying to make everybody like them. They're telling everybody what they want to hear. You know, I got to get the votes. And, and the, the thing is, though, I personally believe if we ever had a real strong leader who actually had strong principles that would just tell the crowd, go jump in a lake, I think they would probably get elected. Because people want strong leadership. They do. I think, I think that's how Trump got elected. He, you know, he did some of that stuff. Obviously, I don't like Trump's, you know, philosophy on a lot of things, but he did come off as a strong leader that didn't give a rip. People love, you know, I'm sorry, I don't want to sound like a Trump supporter or anything, but when Trump attacks CNN, I love it. All right, I'm sorry, but when he goes after CNN, I have a good time and I'm all, I start thinking, I start thinking, I'm proud of being American, you know, <laughs> but I, I love watching it. All right, is it fake? Is it a show? I don't know, maybe, but I sure enjoy that show when he does that. I enjoy less than watching him, you know, tell people to jump in a lake and tell people off. I think it's great. You know, we need strong leadership. I just wish he had better principles and better morals and stuff, but he's a strong leader. I, I will say that. And I'm hoping maybe some other politicians will learn from that. But the elections usually ruin good people. You know, because they're always just trying to be liked. What I got to do to be liked? What I got to do to get votes? This is another reason, too, why missionaries are so lame today. Alright? I am regularly appalled by missionaries that I know. I love missionaries. I love what missionaries do. But we are destroying them. By sending them for four years from church to church to church trying to raise support. Because what are they doing? They're, you know, they're dependent on everybody's money. They've got to make everybody like them. Well, the problem is, when they get, finally get out in the mission field and they start pastoring a church, if they start reading their Bible and they, all, they start learning the truth about some things and they start preaching it and they're public about it, well, guess what's going to happen? They're going to lose support. So it's like they're always campaigning. They're always campaigning. They're always trying to be liked. And it ruins them. It absolutely destroys these people. I personally think these missionaries would be better off just saying, you know what? Forget you people. I'm going to go figure out a way to do a work for the Lord. And there's going to be people like us that are going to see it and say, hey, you know what? Let's, get, let's send that guy some money. You know, let's go help that guy out that's actually doing something for the Lord that doesn't give a rip what these other churches think about. You know, I, that's what I want to see. But, you know, we, we do, when strong leaders, they don't care about being liked. And that's why so many missionaries and so many evangelists, all right, these so-called evangelists, that they need, you know, their living is going, not evangelizing, but preaching from church to church. 
Well, if you're going to be preaching from church to church, you got to have some pastors that like you and some people that like you. So they will book, you know, you can book meetings with them so they can give you a monthly support or something. And so what do they do? You know, they compromise like crazy. You know, you, you, I mean, go try to get an evangelist. Your typical old IV evangelist to start preaching post trip, it'll never happen. It'll never happen because he'd lose all his money. He'd lose all his support. Some of these guys, they don't even know what they are because they preach in so many different types of Baptist churches. They, have no, they don't even know what they are. Oh, uh, I don't even know what I think on that. They, they don't. And it's, it's pretty sad. But a strong leader, they don't govern based on the will of people, but based on the law of the land. A strong leader does not fear people, but they do fear God. We see when they were supposed to choose judges in Israel, God wanted them to choose men that feared the Lord. That's what God said. He wanted men that would fear the Lord. Why? So they wouldn't take bribes. Okay? Because a bribe, you know, that gift, that will blind the eye. But if, you're, if you fear God, you're going to be scared to take that money because you know that's against the law of God. You're going to be afraid to pervert judgment because you're going to have God on your case. And, but if you don't fear God, you're not going to be an effective leader. But there, and there is also a difference, alright? I believe in strong leadership. But there is, if you are a strong leader today, what do they want to accuse you of? Being a dictator, right? And I don't believe in dictatorship. Even as a pastor, I don't believe I should be the dictator of this church. Because here's, here's the difference between just a strong leader and a dictator. The strong leader, or the dictator, he put, he leads people, or you should say he pushes them from behind with a gun to their back. You know, he lets the, he'll let the people, he wants the people in front of him so they can die before him. You know, he wants the human shields. He leads people by pushing them with a gun to their back. But a strong leader, you know what he does? He goes out in front of the crowd. He goes and he leads the battle. And people follow him because they trust him and they believe in what he's doing. Okay? I, and that's why I'm not going to go around trying to force people into church. That's why don't we go making all these rules to force people to do stuff. I want to lead. I don't want to be a dictator. And if I've got to put a gun to the back of your head and I've got to be pushing you from behind all the time, that's no fun. That's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to lead. So that means I'm going to be out in front showing people what's right, making people want to do the right thing. And if you don't want to do the right thing, I'm not going to come beating down your door. I'm not going to come driving you crazy. I'm not going to go babysitting you and spoon feeding you. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to lead. And that's what a strong leader does. So let's look at some examples in the Bible. Let's look at some bad leaders. Turn over to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14. I think the Herods are great examples of bad leaders and just cowards. Sniveling cowards. These guys remind me of a lot of Baptist preachers. But in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, uh, that's not what I want. I got Matthew 6, 14 in my notes. That is not the right. I hate when I get the wrong passage. Alright, what passage is it where he goes after John the Baptist? Somebody find that one for me. Maybe I got the wrong gospel. But, what's that? I thought somebody said up. But, but the hair of the Tetrarch, alright? Herod the Tetrarch, what did he do? I can't believe I wrote down the wrong passage. I hate when I do that. 14.6? Okay, I just got dyslexic. That's what I did. 14.6. I don't know how you got that. Figure that out. Yeah, there it is. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Uh, whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John Baptist's head in a charger. And the king was sorry, nevertheless, for the oath's sake. And them which sat with him at meat, he commanded it to be given her. And he sent and beheaded John in the prison. Alright? So right there, we see in this story that Herod did not want to do this. Herod knew that it was wrong to kill John the Baptist. But why did he do it? For his wife's sake? For the people that sat with him? You know what he was doing? He was thinking about everybody else. Hey, he's the leader here. You know, he's Herod. He's the king. He's the guy in charge. He's the boss. Why can't he just do the right thing? You know why? Because he was a pansy and he was scared of his wife. 
Look at what it says in the beginning of the chapter. I was supposed to read this too. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus and said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show themselves in him. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. You see why? The reason he originally had put John in prison was for his wife's sake. Why? Why didn't his wife like him? For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. John the Baptist wasn't scared of Herod. He preached the truth to him, and he told him, You're not supposed to have your brother's wife. And that made Herodias mad. She couldn't handle it. Herod, he liked John. Herod respected John, probably because John was the man that Herod wished he was. But you know what? Unfortunately, he was a pansy. He was a wimp. In verse 5, when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. So it's like, I need to put him to death, but he was scared of the crowd. He was scared of the multitude. So he actually did the right thing in that case, but only because in this case, the multitude was on the right side. And they didn't want him killing John. So then... They have this thing, Herod, you know, his daughter dances before Herod he, or, uh, Herod, he likes it, and then he makes this oath. Well, now he's bound. Now he has to do something, otherwise his wife's really going to come down on him. All the other leadership there in the kingdom's all going to come down on him. So this time now, the only reason he kills John this time, it's not because he actually got some guts, it was just because he became more scared of his wife and the people that surrounded him than the multitude. Herod was motivated by what everyone else thought. He feared John because he knew he was right, but he finally, he ultimately, he feared the people more than he feared God. He, feel, he, feared, he was scared of everybody. He was just scared of everyone. Why? Because he was a weak leader. And you know what? Leaders should not be scared of people. Pastors today, you know why they won't get up and preach the truth? It's because they're scared of their congregation. Some pastors today, they will never get up and preach against Israel. You know why? Because they'll offend old lady money bags in their church that donates money to the Temple Mount Institute. And they don't want to lose her tithe. And so he's scared to preach against that stuff because he's scared of the people. What am I going to do if I lose that money? What am I going to do if I lose that lose those tithers? They're not going to get up and they preach about how women ought to dress. You know why? Because he's scared of the women in that church. You get up in most churches and you preach about women dressing like women and men dressing like men. Most men are going to respond positively to that. Most men don't want their wives out in public dressed like a hussy or dressed like a man. They don't want that. But they're certainly not going to tell their wives that they shouldn't do that. And they'd love it if the pastor did, except for the fact, if any guy does have a problem with it, it's he knows if the pastor gets up and preaches on women's clothing, my wife's going to chew me out all the way home. But at the same time, deep down, he's on the side of the pastor. But he's not a strong leader in his home. And, but you know what? Most, most husbands, they don't have to worry about it because their pastor's not going to preach on it because they're scared of their wives too. They're scared of the women in the church. And so what do they do? They're just, they're going along. And the dress standards in Baptist churches, they they are just gone. They are just gone. Nobody cares anymore. They'll have women up on the platform singing specials, you know, wearing britches, you know, low cut shirts, tight stuff, all that stuff. They got guys in their church all wearing the skinny jeans, skinny jeans dressed like little homos, and they're afraid to say anything about it. And that's sad. Why? Because they're just scared. Scared little men, so afraid too, and because they're so controlled by you know just the preacher world and the preacher world. If you have to go out and work a job or something, you're like a second class pastor, and they just can't. They can't preach anything that would run the money off, because God forbid they'd have to go out and make an honest living outside the church. You know, and pastors today they just need to just say, you know what, enough's enough. I'm tired of being a scared little pansy. And you know what I'm just going to do? I'm just going to get up and I'm going to preach the truth. And if my church runs me off, I'll go start another church. I'll go start a church somewhere where people want to hear the truth. But most guys will never take that step. They'll never do the right thing because they're just scared little pansies like Herod the Tetrarch. And sometimes pansies find themselves in places of leadership. Would we not all agree that Herod was a pansy? 
I think we would all agree with that. But yet he was still the king. And there are, there are many weak people that make it into high places in leadership. Turn over to Acts chapter 12. Now, I don't believe that, I don't know that this is the same Herod. Some say that this was actually a different Herod here. It may have been. Either way, um, you know, it doesn't matter if this was the same Herod or not. What, this is another example of a Herod that was a coward and a pansy. And look what it says in, in chapter 12, verse 1. It says, And about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to the four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And you all know the story. An angel came and busted Peter out of prison. Great story right there. But what's interesting about the story, Herod, I think probably by his own desire and his own leadership and his own evil heart, he's vexing the church. Why? Because they're threatening his leadership. You know why? Because the church is stirring the Jews up. The church is making the Jews mad. And so the Jews are whining. The Jews are complaining. And so he's going and he's vexing the church. And he goes and he kills James. He kills one of the apostles. And all of a sudden, he becomes a hero to the Jews. And he's like, hey, I got the people liking me. Hey, all of a sudden now, I'm impressing the people. So what does he do? Uh, Now I'm going to go after Peter. Why? Not because it was in his heart. Because he felt that was the right thing to do. I want to keep impressing the Jews. So he goes after Peter. He gives the people what they want. Okay, And I know they didn't have elections back then, but if they had had elections, he would have won in a landslide. And I'll prove that to you here. Look in verse 21. Because he did. He wanted to be loved. This is the same thing most pastors say. They just want to be liked. They just want to be loved. That's why they dress like the world. That's why they water down their preaching. That's why they bring in all the worldly junk. They just want to be like, we just want to be loved in our community. We just want everybody to like us. You know, we just want, we just want to be a blessing. We're not trying to hurt anybody. You know, we just want to, you know, we just want to make everybody feel good. Because they want to be liked. Because they love themselves. But you know what? Herod succeeded. Look what it says in verse 21. This is a leader who gave the people what they wanted instead of what was right. And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne, and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God and not of man. Now, does anybody believe for one second that they believed Herod was a God? You know what they were doing here? They're flattering him. The people are flattering him. Why? This is the guy that's been giving us what we want. He's persecuting the church, he killed James. You know, you got Peter locked up. The church is, you know, running. They're scared. They're hiding. This guy is giving us what we want. So what do they do? They praise the daylights out of them. It looks like the Democratic National Convention, you know, during an election year, when these guys they come in and they haven't done anything yet. They're just running for president, and Republicans do it too. And what do they do, man? The guy comes walking in, he hasn't even made a speech yet, but they're giving him a standing ovation for like 20 minutes. Balloons are falling, confetti's going everywhere, they're just having this big celebration, everybody's shaking their hands, just praising this guy. He hasn't even done anything yet. You know what, how about when they go to make their big speech, why don't we all sit down and shut up and make him tell us something that actually excites us? And then, after he tells us something, before we start clapping and celebrating, why don't we wait and see if he actually does what he promised? You know what they ought to do at these conventions? Everybody ought to go there with notebook in hand, writing down all their promises. Recorders, video cameras, and saying, because we're going to throw this in your face when you get in office. We are going to throw it in your face. And if you don't come through, you're gone. Okay? Now, listen, I don't agree with the border wall, but you know what? If Trump doesn't get that wall going before the next election, he ought to get thrown out. He campaigned on that border wall. And Mexico's going to pay for it. If he doesn't get that done, Republicans ought to throw him out. And I don't want the border wall. But he promised it. He made all these big promises. You know, if he doesn't get that swap drain, you know what? They need to throw him out. He campaigned on these things. But you know what he's going to do? 
even if he doesn't, he hasn't drained the swamp, all right? And he hasn't started the wall. But you know what's going to happen? It's going to come time. He hasn't done any of that stuff yet, but he's going to give speeches telling you he did it. Or telling you he's going to get it done in the next term. And everybody's going, oh yeah, let's go vote for him. All the Fox News Baptists are going to go gaga because, you know, he's going to be better than the Democrat. And this is crucial. You know, this is so important. I know he's done a bunch of bad stuff and I know, you know, the Trump care is not any better than Obamacare, but, you know, you're not doing your Christian duty if you don't go out and vote. I will want you to be you stand for God on Judgment Day explaining why you didn't vote. They're going to say all that same stupidity. But at the same time, nobody's going to do that. You know what they're going to do? They're going to praise these people. Why? It's flattery. Thinking we'll end up getting what we want from this guy. And that's what they were doing with Herod. And I know God did these things in the Bible so to prove that He's against this stuff so He wouldn't have to be doing this all the time. But I wish one more time God would do this. I love what God did to, to Herod right here. So after they said, it's the voice of God and not of man. And it says immediately, and Herod, he's so stupid. You know, these politicians are so stupid that when people are praising the daylights out of them, you would think they would at least know they're not that great. You would think they would know that they're nothing. You would think that they would know that they're a fraud. But what do they do? They eat it up. Mitt Romney makes me sick. He's one of the worst. With that, I mean, I can't stand that guy. He's so stinking arrogant. And he'll go and all these people praise him and that, that think he's great. And you would think he would at least know he's a fraud. You would think he would at least know that he's a phony and he's no good. You know, and you know, he failed in beating Obama too. But you know what? These guys, they eat it up. They believe the praise. That's how delusional they are. That's how weak they are. They listen to the praise of these people. And Herod, he's too stupid to realize that I'm not a God. And what does He do? He takes it. He takes all that praise. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. I wish that would happen. Just one more time. Lord, could you do that one more time? I know you could do it. I know you did it with Herod. I know you don't like that. But Lord, in the next Democrat or Republican National Convention, Lord, the next time a bunch of Baptists are getting up, a bunch of Fox News Baptists and just praising the daylights out of Trump, and he's just eating up the praise, Lord, let the worms get him right there. Just have him drop dead, worms crawling out of his nose right there for all the cameras to see. Could he do that? Maybe the Baptists would finally learn. I know they didn't learn from Herod. But man, I'm telling you, it's, it's ridiculous how people believe the press. You know, and they, they don't even reject the flattery. You know, I, I, hate, I had a guy send me an email the other day you know, wanting to question me. And, he start, and it, was, it was clearly a loaded question. He, start, he starts off with all this flattery. And I just called him out. I just called him. I was a big jerk to him right back in the email. I was like, you know what? I just I called him out, and then of course right after that I found out what he really felt. And when people flatter you, when people praise you, when you haven't even done anything, it's because they want something from you. And it's like, man, I don't even know you. I've never done anything for you. I am not worthy of anything you just said. You obviously want something from me. You're a jerk. You're an idiot. You know, and that, that, that's the way we ought to treat people. And I do. I, it, it makes me mad. When people do that, and I would like to see more leaders get up and do that. Next time, you know, if Trump was a real man, if he was a real leader, if he was really sincere, he would tell them at the next convention, you know what, let's lay off the celebration. We're $21 trillion in debt. You know what, all that money you're going to spend on confetti and balloons and all those visuals just to look good on campaign commercials, let's put that towards the national debt. I wish he'd do something like that. And we're not even going to, you know, just don't waste the money doing all this stupid stuff. It's a big joke. And you know, you know what he ought to do is if he hasn't got that border wall started, you know what he ought to be mad enough to say, you know what? I don't deserve to be elected president again. You know what? Don't spend any money campaigning. I'll still run. People can still vote for me if they want to, even though I failed. And I didn't get these things. But they won't. They're going to spend all that money doing all that praise. He's going to eat it all up. Every Republican that says these things is going to say good stuff about him. It, it makes me sick. And we see that Herod in this story, 
you know, he, he gave the people what they wanted. And you know what? He got the praise he wanted. But was Herod a good man? Was Herod a great leader? No. He didn't give the glory to God because you know what? It's God that sets up kings and it's God that will take them down. It's God that puts them in these positions. And what did he do? And God ends up killing them right there in a very humbling way. And we see Paul and Silas, they knew better. Because just I believe it's in the next chapter, they're preaching and they're saying the gods have come down among us. They called them Mercury and Jupiter. And what did those guys do, man? They rent their clothes and they stopped the people. They said, you stop this. We are men of like passions as you. And you know what those people ended up doing after that? After they told the people what they didn't want to hear? They stoned them. I mean, think, think about the difference there. They didn't, they didn't fall for that press. They knew themselves. These are actually godly men, but they were, because they were godly, when people are praising them, acting like they're gods, they knew to say, we're no gods. And they stopped that. That's what a good leader does. That's what a strong leader does. Turn back, turn them back to Exodus chapter 32. Let's compare Moses who was a great leader, with Aaron, who Aaron, he reminds me of Pastor Trendy. Alright? We have Moses. He's the strong guy. He's the real leader. He's IFB. Alright? He's like the new IFB, right? And then you've got Aaron. He's like the new independent Baptist. Alright? And if you don't know the difference of those, there's a huge difference between a crowd out there calling themselves the new independent Baptist between those who call themselves the New Independent Fundamental Baptist. There's a huge difference, alright? If you don't, have, don't know what it is, watch some of the videos I put out about them. And I plan on making some more on that. But this is Moses versus Aaron, who's a lot like Pastor Trendy. Uh, Exodus 32, verse 19, says, And it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh to the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot. And he cast the tables out of his hands, and break them beneath the mouth. Now, people ask sometimes, was that a sin for Moses to do that? I don't know if Moses should have broke those tablets. Okay? The Bible doesn't say for sure, but let me tell you what did happen. Moses got mad and broke the tablets. Moses got mad and he started smashing stuff. Alright? That's just what happened. Okay? I'm not saying if it was right or wrong, but it happened. Okay? Verse 20, And he took the calf which they had made and burned it in the fire. And ground it to powder, and strawed it upon the water, and made the children of Israel to drink of it. That's pretty cool right there. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee, that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, you know, Moses, don't be so angry. We're not supposed to be angry. Moses, calm down. Why are you so angry when you preach? You know, here there, Aaron's wearing his skinny jeans and his pink shirt. You know, Moses is dressed like a man wearing a suit and tie that fits. And he's preaching and he's flipping out and foaming at the mouth on Aaron. He's like, why are you so angry? Let not, you know, you, you know, let not thine anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. For they said unto me, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses... The man that brought us about the land of Egypt, we know not what has become of him. This is what the people wanted. I was just trying to serve the community. I was just trying to give the people what they wanted. And as he's trying, almost don't be so angry. Why are you so mad about this? Yeah, the people are naked. Yeah, they're doing rock and roll music. Yeah, the music. Sound of war in the camp. The music was bad. The dress was bad. And Moses had a problem with that. Moses flips out. And he, I said, I don't know if it was a sin or not, but you know what? He, his anger waxed hot. He went into a rage. He had some actual man rage. And he completely lost it. And he went and he smashed those tablets. Not saying he should have done that, but you know what? I like the way Moses acted better than Pastor Trendy Aaron. I think that was definitely better. And see, and the reason churches are turning into jokes today is because of weak leaders. You know what they're doing? They're giving the people what they want. You know, and, it, and I'm, I'm getting sick of it too. You know, it's one thing seeing these young, pathetic punks that are graduating from Bible college and they're going out and they're starting these skinny jean churches, all right? That's bad. But what makes me mad is some of these older guys who still look old paths, who still look the parts, who are going and preaching in these guys' churches. 
You know what they ought to do? If Paul Cha- guys like Paul Chapel really was still old IFB and old Paz and all that stuff, he's going to go into these young guys' churches. You know what he's going to do? He's going to go like Moses and he's going to start breaking stuff. He's going to start smashing stuff. He's going to start flipping out and he's going to say, what made, what did they do to make you do this? What did the people do to get you to bring in all these, you know, purple barroom lights? What did they do? What did the people do to you to get you to bring in the drum sets? What did they do to get you to start wearing those skinny jeans? What did they do? How much did they pay you to put on that pink shirt? What did the people do? And what did the people do to Aaron? They just demanded it. It was what the people wanted. But was Aaron supposed to go with what the majority wanted? No. Moses left him in charge. He was supposed to be a leader. And he'd say, you know what? We were instructed to wait. And so you know what we're going to do? We're going to wait. That's what we're going to do. But no, he makes the golden calf for him. He tells them to bring their gold to him. And he fashions a golden calf. And he says, these be thy gods that brought thee out of Egypt. And he gets the people all naked. And you know what? It was Aaron's fault. And these queer little sissies that are out there that are promoting all this faggotry in church and all this effeminate dressing and all this contemporary disgusting music, these guys are at fault. These guys have a problem. I know the people probably demand it, but it's not, they were supposed to step up and be a leader and saying, you know what? Not on my watch. And if you all want a skinny jeans pastor in here, you're going to have to get me out of here first. Because it's not going to be me. If you all want to get the rock music in here, you're going to have to get me out first. Because it's not going to be me. I'm not going to be some queer little sissy. I want to be a strong leader. I want to be somebody like Moses. I'm not, I don't want to be like Aaron. i got a huge problem with trendies. That is exactly what Aaron did. He gave the people what they wanted. And, and I love what Moses said. What did they do to you? You know, he's got to be thinking, did they torture you? You know, did they, they threaten your family? You know, did, did they beat you up? You know, they, you, know, you know, let me see your back. Please tell me they whipped you or something. You know, what would make you do this? And really, what's making these guys just go so queer in their churches? You know, what's, what's making them do it? You know, and honestly, I, th- I think it's just the lust of their own hearts. You know, I think it just shows that they're evil. That they're even doing that. Because, I mean, you know, we've had people come through here that, you know, wanted different than what we were offering. But they never did any more to me than just speak against what we were doing and speak for they, what they want. And it wasn't very hard to just say, well, that's not what we're going to do. That's not how it is. When we first started the church, we had a guy come to church here. And you know, we didn't have hardly any money coming in at the time. And this guy was giving pretty good. He was giving pretty good and he played a guitar and he wanted to be involved in the music in the church. And this guy, and I, told, and I just told the guys, like, yeah, yeah, I always tell people, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Uh, but here's just a few, you know, some criteria. And I told him what the criteria was. I told him, I was like, well, for, if you're, one, you'd have to dress a certain way. And two, I knew he played in bars. <laughs> I said, you're not going to be able to play in bars anymore. He's like, well, I'm not going to quit playing in bars. So well, that's fine. But you won't be able to play in church. And he quit coming. And his money went with him. I didn't miss him. I missed the money. But at the same, at the same time, I, you know, it wasn't that hard. You know why? Because I was like, we're going to have some standards here. We're, gonna, we're not going to go a certain direction with our music. And we're going to have certain standards when it comes to just testimony. And I would hate it if somebody got their lost family member here that was in the bar the night before. And they visit church Sunday morning. The same guy playing the music in the bar was playing music in the church. I don't want that happening. And I told, it was funny too because I'm telling him all this. And his wife's like, oh yeah, I, I, I totally understand that. I totally agree. And he was just like, well, I'm not going to quit playing in the bars and I'm not going to wear a tie. Okay. <laughs> and and this, this guy too, another, and I, I told him these things because I talked about his salvation and this guy wasn't saved. But he thought he was. And I couldn't convince him otherwise. So that's why we have standards in place because then it protects. It kind of weeds out those people. And it did. It, it weeded him out. And he moved on. And he was a troublemaker too. He, he would have been a troublemaker and a half. I, I know his kind. I can smell them a mile away. But anyway, 
You know, that, that's just part of being a leader, though. And really, he didn't do anything more than just contradict me, question me, disagree with me. And that was actually real easy. The hard thing was taking his money and leaving. You know, but, <laughs> but, you know, really, we're going we're gonna to sell out. So we're, we're going to sell out. I, I thought we were against selling out. I thought it wasn't about the money. You know, what, what is it? And Moses, Aaron was just scared of the people. Aaron was just a weak leader. And so he went along with the crowd. Turn over to Joshua chapter 24. This was the last example I'll give you. Joshua, of course, great example of a leader. But let me show you something about how Joshua led. Because this is how, you know, this is how I'm, I don't want to be a dictator, right? I'm not interested in just, you know, proving to everybody, you know, that I'm the boss. And it, I, I, just, I don't want to waste my time with foolishness. And, but look what it says in Joshua 24, 14. It says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the God of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know what He's telling the people? He didn't say, do this. He said, no, you have a choice to make. But, just so you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You all have to make your own choice. And yeah, I'm the leader, but you do. You have to choose to follow me. And just so you know, though, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And that's exactly what he did. He's like, I'm not going to put a gun to your head or a sword to your back. He said, I'm just telling you, you make a choice. This is what I'm going to do. And that's how it is with me. I don't want to go around enforcing things. I don't feel like it. I got enough trouble enforcing things on my kids and spanking my kids. I don't want to be you know, babysitting Christians. You know what I'm going to say? Hey, this is what the Bible teaches. And this is what I'm going to preach. And this is what I'm going to do. And if you all don't like it, there's plenty of other churches around town that don't do this stuff. But just so you know, here, this is what we're going to do. And I'm not going to push you from behind. You know, I'm going to lead from the front. I'm going this way. If you want, you can follow me. And that's what Joshua said there. But Joshua led by example. But you know what else Joshua did? Joshua made the people... The people obviously wanted to follow Joshua. They wanted to follow him. And that's the problem with... There's many preachers today. A lot of the things they preach are right. But nobody wants to follow them. One, because many times because they're bad leaders. Many times because... They're, they're not good at teaching people. They're not good at preparing them. They're not they're good at showing people why. But Joshua helped people understand why they did what they did. Look what it says in verse 16. This is why the people follow Joshua. This is why many people are not following those in the old IFB who are actually... There's a lot of old IFB churches. They are right when it comes to standards and convictions. They are right on a lot of things. They're right on a lot of doctrines but they have failed in teaching people why. And they wonder why nobody can, nobody's following them. And it's like their method of trying to get them to follow is be a dictator, you know, put a gun to the back of their head, instead of just showing them, hey, if I really believe what I teach and the, what, I, what I do is best, if I really believe that, why would I think I need to trick you into it? Why would I think I need to force you into it? Shouldn't you all want to do it? I mean, that, that would make sense, wouldn't it? I don't know why anybody would not want to live the way I live. So, I don't feel the need to manipulate or anything like that. But that's what these guys got, uh, always are trying to do. How can we enforce these things? How can we make people do it? And so, what do they do? If you don't do this, you're not saved. That's kind of their, their go-to all the time. You're, if you don't want to go to church three times a week, you're not saved. Well, I don't know if that's really biblical. How about you just show them the benefits of church? Why don't you teach them from the Scripture that it is biblical that you go to church? And maybe people actually want to do it. I want to go to church. Uh, even when I wasn't a pastor, I wanted to go to church. I still like, you know, I still like going and visiting other churches and sitting, sitting in on other services. I enjoy it. But look what it says in verse 16. It says, And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, He is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we, whom we passed. All this is right. 
And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore, will we also serve the Lord, for He is our God. All this stuff they're saying here is stuff that we see earlier in the Bible. They were teaching this to the people. And they got it. They learned it. But let's keep reading. It says, And Joshua said unto the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins if ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods. Then He will turn and do you hurt and consume you after He has done you good. Wait a minute. I thought He wanted them to follow the Lord. And now He's telling them, no, you can't do this. You know what He was doing here? He's not trying to talk them out of it. He's trying to let them know what they're in for. Y'all are wanting to make this vow? Do you realize what you're saying? Do you realize the position you're putting yourselves in? If you forsake Him, He's going to turn and do you hurt. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. He's, he's teaching them here. He's instructing them. And Joshua said to the people, Ye are witnesses against yourself that ye have chosen the Lord to serve Him. And they said, We are witnesses. They're saying, Yes, we chose this. Joshua didn't make them. He didn't make them. He didn't tell them, hey, if you all don't do this, you all are going to go to hell because you're not really saved. He didn't do that. He didn't say, if you don't do this, I'm going to kill you. No, he said, no, you chose this. I warned you. I warned you and I warned you and I told you what you're getting yourselves into and you said you wanted it. And they said we're witnesses. So he said, okay, fine. Let's get, bu- let's get busy. Let's get serious. Now, therefore, put away said he, the strange gods which are among you. You said you're going to serve God? Get rid of your idols. Get rid of them now. Do this. You said you're going to serve God. And incline your heart in the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, the Lord our God will we serve, and His voice will we obey. And Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord which He spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest ye deny your God. You know, he said, alright, fine. If you all are really sure you want to do this, okay, you got to get busy. you got to get rid of those gods. He wrote down a statute and an ordinance. Alright, here's the instructions. You all are agreeing to this. Do you all see what you're agreeing to? I'm reading it to all of you. I'm reading it to you by this stone right here. It hears everything we're saying. And we're going to set this stone up as a reminder. And if there ever comes a day when you all try to go back on this and stop serving other gods, we're going to bring you out here to this stone. It's like, hey, remember what you decided to do? Remember when I tried to talk you out of this, but you said, no, we will serve the Lord? And we did. Here's the writing right here. You all agree to this. You said right here in the presence of this stone that we will serve the Lord. That way they have no excuses. Lest ye deny it. Lest ye try to go back on it. It says, so Joshua let the people depart, every man, and do his inheritance. And so right there, we see how Joshua led. He He led by example. He actually instructed the people. He didn't just get up and say one thing and do another. He said, no, here's the right thing to do. Here's what the Word of the Lord says. And here's what I'm going to do. If you want to follow, great. And they said, we want to follow. But you know what he did before they followed? Hey, you need to know what you're getting yourself into. You're going to, if you choose to follow me and you go back on it, you're going to be in big trouble. And he did. He made sure these people knew what they were getting themselves into. And you know what? They did it. They served Him. They served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. While there was any remnant of Joshua's leadership still around, the people served the Lord. Why? Because Joshua was the right kind of leader. And you know what? It's time the pastors start being leaders in their church. 1 Peter 5, 1-4, I'm not going to read it, but it talks about you know, feeding the flock of God. It talks about being in samples to the flock. Setting the example. They've, a pastor just got to get up and say, listen, and here's what we're going to do. I'm the pastor of this church. This is what I'm going to teach. This is what the Bible says. If you all don't like it, there's the door. If I ever were to go and candidate for another church, 
That's exactly what I would do. I'm going to go there. I'm going to say, this is what I believe. This is what I'm going to teach. If you don't like it, don't hire me to be your pastor. Don't hire me if, that, if, if you don't like that because this is what I'm going to do. If you want to follow me, great. But let me let you, know, let me let you in on what you're getting yourself into. Let me instruct you a little bit. That's what a good leader does. And you know what? Husbands need to be leaders of the home. A husband is the head of the home. He is the head of the wife. And you know what? It's time husbands start stepping up, stop being scared of their wives like Herod was, and say, you know what? This is what's right. This is what we're going to do. And you know what? Be that strong leader. I'm sorry. I don't care what the feminists say. Women want men that are strong leaders. They want that. You know why a lot of women just they don't follow their husbands? Because he's so wishy-washy and all over the place. They don't trust you. Because you're weak. And you know, it's time you step up, grow a backbone, and be a man, and do the right thing. And get people to follow you. That is what being a leader is. It's not forcing people at gunpoint from behind. It's leading from in front. It's them behind you following you because they want to, because they see what you're doing is right, because it works. And I believe that's what we see going on with Moses and guys like Joshua. Completely opposite of what we see going on with the Herods. Completely opposite of what we see Pastor Trendy Aaron doing. That's it, it, it completely different. We've got to make sure that uh, we that we have strong leadership, that we support strong leadership. We need a, we need leaders in our country that are strong leaders that will not give a rip. That don't go. You know, I hate when I hear a politician refer to the polls. Well, you know, fifty four percent of Americans want this. Hey, what does the law say? What does our constitution say? Who cares what fifty four percent of America says? What does the law say? That's what y'all need to be worried about. These stinking judges that we have, the Supreme Court, legislating from the bench. You know, John Roberts, who sold out our country over the health care bill. And one of his excuses for that, well, you know, there's an election coming up. If people don't like this, then they can, you know, vote the Democrats out and then they can, they can get it repealed. Why do we? No, you don't let the people decide this stuff. We have laws to protect us from stupid people. And you're supposed to enforce those laws as a judge. That's what he was supposed to do. But the coward didn't do it. Sold us out. What a shame that was. What a, what a, what a shame. And let me tell you, John Roberts, too, the Fox News Baptist, went nuts when Bush nominated him. They thought he was the greatest thing ever. He was going to get rid of abortion. No, he didn't. He helped give us Obamacare. You know, so we've got to, we've got to pray for strong leadership. And we need it in the church. We need it in the homes. We need it in our government. Strong leadership is good. Stop listening to the women on The View. We need strong male leadership. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You so much for Your Word. I pray You'll help us to follow these things. Lord, I pray You'll help us to be supportive of strong leaders that are governing righteously, that are governing uh, according to the laws, and especially according to Your Word. I pray You'll help us to be supportive. I pray that... Uh, children and wives will be supportive of their husbands that are strong leaders. I pray you'll help uh, congregations to be supportive of their pastors who are strong leaders. And I pray as a nation we will support strong leaders who govern righteously. And I pray that you'll help us as individuals to be those strong leaders and to set the examples so people uh, will want to follow us. And we thank you for uh, those who are strong leaders. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand.